couldn't resist. <clears throat> Last week, we started a conversation called Remember Who You Are, and we're going to continue that conversation today. And uh, I pulled up the video after last week and watched it, and I'm like, oh, we just got to start with it. And so we're going to dive into that here in just a second. But people have been asking, you know, how long are we going to meet here? When are we going to find property? And uh, what's, what's next for us? And quite honestly, we're not sure. Um, I feel a lot like Moses in the, the passage that I read right at the beginning of the service. Um, God, you've made these promises. You said you're going to go with us. We know you're with us. What's next? Um, and I feel like God just says, just trust me, lean into me. Um, again, the things that are important about Restoration Church will always be the same. Um, but as far as for now, <clears throat> we meet here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Our offices and other meetings that we'll have, if we start, uh, when we get our Wednesday night activities started again, they will take place at our downtown office location. So the Cornerstone building is right on the corner of Dakota and 3rd Street, and we are in the second floor of that building. So that's where we are during the day for offices. Uh, that's where we'll have meetings and different classes and activities uh, as we start them again over the next uh, couple of months. So in the meantime, Pray for us. There's a lot of change and a lot of difference. Pray for the people that you see down in the pit because they got a lot of stuff that they're learning and doing and be gracious with them. Um, they're trying to adjust sound settings and things are just different in this room and uh, we'll get it over time. But uh, one of the things I prayed with them the first day we met here was God just give us grace to be patient, patient with ourselves, patient with the building, patient with the different things that are happening. And so uh, I know we can do it. So that's just who we are. Speaking of which, remember who you are. Um, I love that part of the movie where the, the monkey, the baboon, says to Simba, there's your father there. And he looks and he's like, that's just my reflection. And he touches the water and says, he lives in you. Now, I want to be clear from the get-go that Genesis chapter 1 does say that all human beings are made in the image of God. But sin has marred that image. And what God had in mind from before the foundation of the world was to send Jesus to this earth as a human, the Son of God, to take our place, to take our punishment, to restore us to that relationship with God, all so he could put his spirit in us. It wasn't so we could go to heaven when we died. It wasn't so that our sins could be forgiven. It was those things, but the crucial thing is he wanted to put his spirit in us because the, his spirit is the game changer. His spirit is the power we need to live the lives that he's called us to live. His spirit is the one that takes us through this life and into eternity. And so he wanted to put his spirit in us. Unfortunately, we've gotten really good in the church at starting the story with all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We forget that the story doesn't start in Genesis chapters 2 and 3. It starts in Genesis chapter 1. When God created the earth, when he created mankind, he called it good. Good. Yes, sin comes into the picture, but when we start with sin and we don't start with what God wants to restore, in essence, we forget to, to remind people that there is something more we were created for. There's something more that we were designed to live for. 
And generally, we start with Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we take that little phrase and we take it out of the entire context of Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21. So I want to put it in its context and read it together. We're going to start in verse 21. It says, now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, so when he says, look inside yourself, okay, uh, I want to be clear that there is nothing inside of us apart from the Holy Spirit that we should look for to find our way. The Holy Spirit comes inside of us. That's when we look inside ourselves. Uh, a lot of religions will tell us today, oh, you have all of the answers inside of yourself. Just look for them. False. The answer is in God himself. And the only way God can put that image back into our lives is that when we put faith in Jesus Christ. And the moment we do that, he restores us to that original design of unbroken, abiding fellowship with him. So we put our faith in Christ. And then it says, this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. That, remember we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the earth. God did all of this for us, even before he created the world. He knew it was going to happen. The story was written. It was all done in that moment. So we've, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Remember who you are. We talked about last week. And if you have a Bible, I want you to go to 2 Peter chapter 1 because we're going to review 2 Peter chapter 1 before we dive into something um, extra or added on for today. I want to remind us of what Peter says because Peter basically reminds us that God did all of this. He brought us back into relationship with him so that we could live up to our calling. Just like uh, Mufasa challenges Simba to go back and take his place, I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us as sons and daughters of God to take our place, to be where he's called us to be, to be restored into that fellowship, and to imitate him to live as image bearers of God. 
If you remember from the movie, Simba ran away because of shame and guilt. Scar led him to believe that he had actually caused his father's death, so he runs away. Shame, guilt. If as sons and daughters of God, we're going to overcome in these days, we've got to overcome shame and guilt. Um, it's, yes, we are the reason that Jesus died. But before God even created us, he knew it. He doesn't want us to live our lives as a wretched worm. Woe is me. I've caused his death. I keep failing. I'm a miserable wretch. I am what everyone says I am. I am what I'm always going to be. False. He put his spirit in you to make you what he created and designed you to be. Overcoming that guilt, that shame is important. We also have to overcome apathy. The longer that Simba lived in that shame and that guilt, if you remember the phrase from the movie, Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Whatever will be, will be. No worries. And too many Christians live our lives this way. No worries. I mean, hey, whatever happens today. And Peter reminds us we have a calling. We have an election. We have to make every effort. We, have to, we cannot just be apathetic and drift through our lives hoping we hit the mark. The reason God placed his spirit in us is so that we could intentionally live in what he's called us to live. And so we've been in this series for, this is 38, part 38, trust the story, talking about the Bible as a story that God has written for us. And we, we call this part of the story, Remember Who You Are. And if you've got your Bibles, open to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. We're going to review this part of the, 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 what we read last week, Peter reminding us of who we are in Christ. Remember who you are. So verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Again, reminding us he did it all. He calls us into this relationship. It's all done through our knowledge of him. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We talked about the Holy Spirit is that divine nature living on the inside of us. And so for that reason, for the reason that you have the Holy Spirit in you, for the reason that you've come into relationship with God, for that reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can know Christ. You can be introduced to him. But you can be ineffective and unproductive because you live the Hakuna Matata lifestyle. Well, I just, you know, whatever happens today happens. 
you need to walk in relationship with the Holy Spirit, hearing what his plans are for you today, hearing what his plans are for you and your family, hearing what his plans are for you at your workplace, because he has a purpose, a plan, a calling for us to live in, and we can't just drift through life hoping we can hit it. We have to lean into him and walk in that fellowship with him. If we don't, look what Peter goes on to say. Whoever does not have them, whoever does not press into these things, is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. That can mean one of two things. It can mean you, you live in guilt and shame because you forget you've been cleansed from your past sins. Or you can live in apathy. You're not making effort to throw off the things that hinder us and you forget when you were cleansed from your past sins, you were given a new nature so that you would no longer sin. And so both of those are what Peter is reminding his fellow believers about. So then he comes to this. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, again, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. If you do these things, you will never, never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and you're firmly established in the truth you now have. Some of you might be like, well, Pastor Tom, you already know this. You covered it. Peter's like, I'm going to keep reminding you of this because it's not just enough that we know it up here. It needs to affect the way we live our lives. It needs to affect the way we act when we're impatient. It needs to affect the way we treat our enemies. It needs to affect the way we live our lives, not with our head hung down in shame and guilt, but our head lifted up, looking to him and releasing his kingdom everywhere we go. We have to learn to live in that. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Peter wants to keep reminding us of these things. I want to keep reminding us of these things because we need these reminders. We need to remind each other of these things. Remember who you are. I hope that doesn't become a negative phrase that we sarcastically throw at each other, but I hope that becomes a phrase that we use to encourage each other. Remember who you are. Remember who lives in you. Remember what he's given you. Remember your identity as sons and daughters of God. Walk in it. Live in it. We need to remind ourselves. Every day when you look in the mirror, you need to remind yourself of who you are, what God has done for you. In fact, the Holy Spirit himself, Jesus taught us in John chapter 16, he will remind you of all things. One of his roles in our lives is to remind us of stuff we already know. And as Americans, we're tempted because when we hear something that we already know up here, we're tempted to dismiss it and say, I already know it. Instead of stopping and saying, Am I living like that's true? And that's the deception. When you hear the word and do not do what it says, you deceive yourselves, is what James taught us. Hearing it, oh yeah, I know that's true. Do I live like a son or daughter of God? Do I take people who mistreat me? Am I good to those who hate me? Am I, do I bless those who curse me? Or do I get on Facebook and I give those people who curse me a piece of my mind? That's not who you are. 
You have been recreated. Let me show you from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Again, when he created us, he created us good. We were marred by sin, but he still created us with good plans, good purpose. And through Christ, through Christ, we can now be restored to that original calling. We can I don't care what nationality you are. People say all the time, well, I'm German, I'm a hothead, I'm Irish, I'm this, I'm that. Who cares who you are physically? You are, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5.17 says, anyone in, new, in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. I don't care if you were labeled an addict. I don't care if you were labeled a hothead. I don't care if you were what you were labeled by anyone. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. He's put his divine nature inside of you so that you can live up to the calling that he's had for you since the foundation of the earth. That's some good news. The Holy Spirit restores us to that image, to that nature, and the entire Old Testament talks about it. Almost every prophet references God pouring out his spirit on his people. And, and, and here, here we go again. Well, we know that. We know that the Holy Spirit lives in us. We know that God is poor. But does it change my day-to-day -day life? Is it actually making a difference, or is it just something I've got the facts about up here. In Isaiah chapter 44, Isaiah prophesies these words. He prophesies them to the nation of Israel, but we can apply them to our lives as believers. But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Do not be afraid. Jacob, my servant, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the, excuse me, dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. That's the prophecy that happens in Ezekiel, in Isaiah, in Joel, in Amos. Over and over, the prophets are like, God wants to put his spirit in you. He wants to, and we're like, hey, ask Jesus into your heart so you can get saved and go to heaven when you die. It's not that it's not true. It's just so small compared to what God, God wants you to mess up this city. Not in the negative way. <laughs> that Because remember, the apostles turned the entire world upside down. Everywhere they went, people were getting healed. Everywhere they went, people were getting demons cast out of them. Everywhere they went, people were, being, were mistreating them, but they were having worship services in prisons, and then earthquakes were happening to open all the prison doors. Like, this is what should be happening in our lives, but we've settled into Hakuna Matata. I mean, we're a more sophisticated culture now here in America, and that's, not what, that's what God's had in store from the beginning. He's wanted to put his spirit in you. And he did not put his spirit in the early church just to kickstart it. Because in the last days, terrible times are coming. Why would he give them something at the beginning and not the people at the end when there were terrible times? Oh, because we've lulled, been lulled to sleep by this idea that the Holy Spirit is just, you know, an add-on to our lives. But I hope I convince you of something else before the end of the day. 
Peter says, do make every effort to keep that calling, to make that calling and election sure. In his first letter, Peter wrote these words, 1 Peter chapter 2, you are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In other words, mercy is you deserved punishment and wrath from God. You didn't deserve it, but you got it. You've received it. So now he's called you into his light. The scripture says, if you've been called into the light, why are you living in darkness? Why are you telling lies? Stop telling lies. Speak the truth to each other. Lies are dark. Truth is light. Why are you complaining and grumbling about stuff? That's darkness. Come into the light. Do everything with the hope that's in you. Why are you, why are you mistreating those who mistreat you? That's darkness. That's how everybody lives. We've been called into the light. Why are you living in sexual immorality? Why are you sleeping with someone who's not your, your spouse? Why are you doing that? You've been called into light. Why are you looking at things and entertaining yourself with stuff that I actually gave my life to pull you out of? And it, this isn't for guilt and shame's sake. It's just a reminder. We've been given mercy. We've been given life. We've been called to live in the light. And for, for some of us, we just, well, you know, whatever. No. Isaiah in chapter 61, prophesies this same thing about the people of Israel. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Our lives are supposed to be to put him on display. In Ephesians 5.1, I don't have this one on the screen, but Paul says to the Ephesians church, imitate God in everything you do. You are called to imitate him. Everywhere we walk in this city, people should get a glimpse of who he is. Why are you living that way? Why are you treating that person that way? Why are you acting like that? How can you, how can you put up with that? Oh, let me tell you about the divine nature that has been put in me. Because by myself, all I would do is give people a piece of my mind. All I would do would get impatient and grumble and complain. But let me tell you about what God has put inside of me to make me live this way. Isaiah goes on and says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. I love that. I believe as a church, God has called us to restore places that have been long devastated. Our city has had labels put, up, put on it by some of us. Some of us say things about our city. Some other people outside of your, oh, Huron, yeah, Huron, South Dakota. We're going to restore places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. What did Peter call us? The royal priesthood. In the American church, I'm the minister and you're all just, you know, the congregation. In the word of God, we're the ministers. We're the priests. Everywhere we go, laying hands on the sick, laying hands on those who are demon-possessed, sharing the hope that has been placed inside of us. 
This is so important. And the enemy just wants you to think, no, that, you know, you're, you're an addict. You're a liar. You're a cheat. You're, you're addicted to pornography. You're this. You're that. No, you have received mercy. You, even when you fail, you need to pick yourself back up. You need to repent, confess that sin, and you need to continue on in who he's called you to be. Because we do not have time to live in darkness anymore. We've been called to live in the light, to know our identity, to overcome the apathy, to overcome the pride, to overcome the guilt and the shame. In Hebrews chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us be apathetic about that race. Oh, no, wait, he doesn't say that. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin. See, the American church always wants to know, is this sin or not sin? Wrong question. Is this slowing me down? Is this keeping me from pursuing him, from walking in my calling, from walking in my destiny? If it's hindering me, I don't care if it's sin or not. I'm throwing it off because I have a destiny to fulfill. I have a calling that's been placed on my life. And the people around me, their lives need to be impacted by that calling. And I do not have time for this thing anymore. I'm throwing it off. Now, Obviously, we throw off the sin that so easily entangles us, but it's not just the sin. It's whatever slow me, slows me down. And run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's just admit, as Americans, we just are not a persevering culture. We like things quickly. We like things now. If we have to wait like three minutes somewhere, we're just like, ah, and we exaggerate. I had to wait like 10 minutes, and it was like 60 seconds. Yeah, that's what we do because we're so used to having everything. Perseverance means I keep doing it. The word says it. It's true. I'm going to raise my hallelujah until it happens because I know it's coming. I know this is going to happen. I don't know why I keep falling into that same sin. I don't know why I keep going back to that same trough and drinking that junk. But here's what I know. I'm not going to settle. I'm not just going to say that's how it's always going to be. I'm going to throw it off. I'm going to find someone to help keep me accountable. I'm going to remind myself of who I am. I'm going to confess it. I'm not going to say it's okay. It's not okay. It's not a part of my calling. It's darkness. I'm going to keep calling it darkness. I'm not going to live in shame and guilt, but I'm going to keep calling it darkness, and I don't need to live there. That's perseverance. I fall down six times, I get up seven. That's perseverance. That's what Proverbs teaches us. So we continue to run the race with perseverance that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the, I love the word author more than pioneer, but he's the author and the perfecter of our faith, meaning he's already done the work. But it's up to us to make every effort to throw off the things that hinder us, to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us, to throw off the shame and guilt, to throw off the pride in our progress. Remember what Paul said? Can you boast in how much progress you've made? No, because the progress we've made is only a result of him. We don't have anything to boast on. That's why Paul himself says, the only thing I boast in is the cross of Jesus Christ, because it is the only thing that has made the difference in our lives. I want to share one last passage of scripture with you because this is, this is what I think the problem is for most of us in our lives. Somewhere along the line in the American church, we divided our lives out into sacred and secular. So what I mean by that is we've compartmentalized our lives into church, 
me. So I have a devotion time every morning, but I don't necessarily have a, a devotion life with the Lord. I don't talk to him throughout the day. I don't remind myself of what I read in the morning, but I, I read my Bible. I checked it off. I did my religious duty for the day. Um, we have prayer time. We have worship services on Sunday. You know, I go to church. I, I do what I do in that room. But how we live in this room doesn't always match how we live when we walk out those doors. So we've divided our lives into sacred and secular. My entertainment choices, um, the job I'm going to have. You know, we've even taught people that if you're not in full-time ministry, you're not a minister. False. Everywhere you go, whatever job you have, whatever location you're going to be at tomorrow or Tuesday if you're blessed to have tomorrow off, wherever you're going to go, that's your calling. That's your election. That's where God has placed you to be a minister in that place. And when we divided that, you won't find that in the scripture, but you'll find that in the American church. And God calls us in his word to live in an awareness of his abiding presence. When you put faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. We sing songs like, Holy Spirit, rain down. Guess what? He's not going to rain down. He's already inside of you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Um, guess what? He's already in this place. And I don't want to say that we should never sing certain songs, but some of the songs we sing reinforce that idea that I need God to come down upon me. If you have put faith in Christ, he is in you. He does not need to come in you any more than he's already in you. He's in you. But you can neglect him. You can let him go, you know, quiet because of the hukuna matata lifestyle. And this is what the Apostle Paul is reminding us of in 2 Timothy chapter 1. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6, look at what he starts with. For this reason... I remind you, oh, Timothy, you already know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. I'm going to remind you anyway, because just because you know it here doesn't mean you live like God himself lives inside of you. So I'm going to remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, scholars disagree on what the gift of God is. Timothy's prophetic gift or maybe Timothy's word of knowledge or word of wisdom or maybe his calling as a pastor. I think the gift of God that Paul is talking about through the laying on of hands is the gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't think it's just one of the gifts of the Spirit, like the ability to prophesy or the ability to speak in tongues or the ability to give a word of knowledge. I think it's all of the Holy Spirit because he is the gift of God. Look at what Paul goes on to say. You fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for the spirit God gave us. He is the gift of God. Look at what Paul, or look at what Luke writes in Acts 2.38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, when Peter is with the Gentiles, that would be us in this room, the circumcised believers, the Jews who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. 
the gift of God, I think that Paul is referring to to Timothy, is the Holy Spirit who comes into our lives the moment we repent and believe and are baptized. However, you can have the gift in you, but if we don't make the effort, if we don't fan into flame, we're going to live just like most of the world lives. We're not going to live set apart. Paul goes on to say, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. He gives us power. He gives us love. He gives us self-discipline, self-control. Oh, I just couldn't. You make me so angry. No, you got a spirit of self-control. No one can make you so angry that you blow up anymore because you've got a spirit of self-control. He gives you power. You can live that life. He saved us and called us to live a holy life. I don't know what you think of when you hear that word, but that word holy just means to be set apart. It means to be living in a, a calling, a life of purpose. Yes, it means that we don't live in darkness. We don't live in sexual immorality. We don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't steal. We don't live in the dark anymore. But it's not just that. Holy life means I, set, I live a life set apart. I live focused on the calling that God has put in my life. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we can either fan that into flame by thinking about it every day, by going to work on purpose. Instead of listening to something that we want to listen to on the way to work, maybe I just turn off the radio and I pray in the spirit, or I listen to some worship music and I set the tone for what's going to happen when I get there. I don't let my workplace set my tone. I set the tone because I've been given a spirit of love, a spirit of power, and a spirit of self-control. And that spirit in me needs to be fanned. Every single day, I need to set my mind on it. I can't just let life happen to me. I need to take the reins and say, this is where I'm called to. This is how I'm going to live. This is what he's put in us. This is our calling to live a life set apart. Our global partners, our missionaries that we support all around the world, live in a culture that's foreign to them. So every single day they're reminded why they're there. You and I are called to be like that. The Apostle Paul calls us ambassadors. This world is not our home. Every single day when we wake up, we need to remind ourselves, this isn't what I live for. I don't live for what I can see today. I live for another place. Not for heaven one day, but for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. It's now. I can live in it. I can release it. I can trust that it is working now, even as I wait for the fulfillment of it. So here's what I want us to do. I believe that every single one of us in this room have a calling. If you're here today and you have never done what Peter said, you've never repented of your sin, you've never put faith, we need a cross, you've never put faith, have you noticed how many times I've pointed to something that's not there today? But the, the cross, you have to believe that when Jesus died on the cross, not only did he pay the penalty for your sin, but he paid a way for you to get the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. So if you've done that, if you've repented and you've believed in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Whether you feel like he lives in you or you don't feel like he lives in you, he lives in you. But now it's time to fan that gift into flame. I am a firm believer 
that praying in the spirit or praying in that prayer language that he gives us, the Bible refers to it as praying in tongues or speaking in tongues. I believe that's a way that we fan it into flame. You don't have to do it. You can just call it to remembrance. You can just ask the Holy Spirit to help you. You can just use the scripture, all of those things. But I want us to take the last moment of this service today. If you're here or you're watching online and you've never repented of your sin, you've never put that faith in Christ, you can do it right now. That's all you got to do. You got to say, Jesus, I believe that I've sinned. I've broken your law. I'm separated from you. And yet I believe you paid the penalty for me to be in relationship with God. And I confess that sin. I believe in your sacrifice. And I invite your spirit to take up residence in me. And the moment you do that, you're not just getting a ticket to heaven. <laughs> you're getting a new life. You're getting a new life. You're getting a calling. You're getting something that every single day you're going to have to fan into flame. You're going to have to remind yourself of who you are. For those of you that have never been what the Bible says refers to as the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. When Paul talks about laying his hands on Timothy, the apostles laid their hands on people and they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I don't think we have to lay hands on you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But whether you're at home or you're in this room, in a few moments, I'm going to pray for those of you that have never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I want you to pray and believe that God wants to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. Okay, the Holy Spirit's not going to come down because he where? He's inside you. But he wants to bubble up out of you. He wants to take over your tongue as you release it to him. So words are going to come to your mind, and I'm going to encourage you to speak them out and let him fill you. I want you to leave this place today with a sense of purpose, knowing that that's who God has called you to be. So I want you to stand with me, whether you're in the room or whether you're watching online. I want you to stand, and I want you to put your hands out like this nothing special about this, but this is a receiving posture, okay? I know that when you catch a ball, you don't catch it this way, but when we, when, when, when Jews would, would, would bless someone, they would put out their hands to receive that blessing. It's open-handed. It says, God, I want all that you have for me. If you're here in this room today, and today's going to be the first time you've put faith in Jesus, or today's going to be the first time you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, at the end of the service today, I want you to meet me over here because I've got a book that I want to give you that's going to tell you more about what's happened to you today, and it's going to tell you more about how to fan that into flame every single day. And so as I pray for you, you need to pray. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life. You need to repent of your sin. You need to put your confidence in who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And so Holy Spirit, right now, for every member of Restoration Church, whether in this room or watching online right now. God, we repent of our sin. God, we admit that nothing we can do can make us be in right relationship with you. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that you came to this earth and you died on that cross to pay the penalty of our sin to bring us back into relationship with God and to make a way for him to be able to place his spirit inside of us and restore us to that original calling as image bearers of Christ so that today as we walk out of this building, today as we walk out of our homes, that we can imitate you 
in everything that we do. God, we can lay our hands on those who are sick and they will recover. God, we can lay our hands even on those who are dead and they would be raised to life again. God, I know that there is so much more that you have for us than we've lived into this point. I know, God, that we have forgotten who we are. God, I know that you have a calling for each and every one of our lives that none of us have yet lived up to. And God, today we're not going to let shame and guilt rule our lives. We're not going to let pride or apathy rule our lives. God, we are going to remember who you've made us today because of Jesus Christ. We're going to remember that you've given us a divine nature, God, to escape the corruption of this world. God, that we don't have to give in to our instincts. We don't have to give in to our natural desires. God, we can trust that your spirit is going to live inside of us, that your spirit God is going to work through us. He's going to give us power. He's going to give us love. He's going to give us self-control. God, I pray for those in this room right now. I pray for those watching online that have never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would, would baptize them. God, that you would fill them. That they would speak in new tongues. God, that they would speak in that language. And I want to encourage you, if you've been baptized in the Spirit before, I want you to begin to pray in that language in this room. I want you to pray in that language in your home. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to just, to just remind you of that awareness of His presence right now. He is filling you full and overflowing. He's already lived in you, but you're fanning into flame that calling. And as you speak in that language right now, whether it's for the first time or it's been a while since you've spoken it before, I believe he's going to show you things. I believe he's going to bring verses to your mind. I believe he's going to give pictures. I believe he's going to restore dreams. He's going to remind you of stuff that you've forgotten, that he's promised you long ago. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to empower you right now. So use that language. Pray in it right now. And don't just pray in it today. Pray in it every day. Pray in it often throughout the day. Let him pray through you. Let him minister that power, that self-control in you. That's fanning into flame the gift of God that has been placed into your life. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray, remind us of these things. Remind us today of this divine nature that you've given us. Remind us tomorrow of that divine nature that you have placed into our lives. God, help us to fan into flame every day that gift of God that is in our lives. God, equip us, empower us to live in the fullness of what you have for us. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray your blessing over this body today. God, I pray that you would cause them to be fully aware of the calling and election that you have given them. That they would become more fully aware of your divine presence, your abiding presence in their lives. God, that they would become more aware of areas of darkness in our lives. God, that we would not allow ourselves to live in the dark any longer. God, that we would throw off everything that hinders, that we would throw off the sin that so easily entangles us, that we would live up to this calling that you have put on our lives. God, I pray empower and equip for each one, God, the calling that you have for them. Holy Spirit, I pray for an increase of dreams and visions upon this body today. God, you promised in your word that in the last days you would pour out your spirit and young and old would receive dreams, would receive dreams, would receive visions, and would prophesy. 
God, bring it to pass in Restoration Church. God, cause us to live like we've never lived before. God, in this season, this new chapter that we're starting as a church, cause us to live out the things we've known all of our lives and not lived out before. God, awaken our hearts to everything you have for us. Bless us. Keep us. Cause your face to shine on us. God, be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance upon us. And Holy Spirit, give us peace. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Um, our host